You're listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break. Whether you're a big-hearted creative or an aspiring entrepreneur, let's take action on your dreams. Reconnecting you with your why and giving you the how. I'm here to dish out actionable mindset tips and fun industry secrets to help you blow up your biz. From eye-opening reality checks to motivational gold, no two episodes are ever the same. So tune in weekly, skip the FOMO, and let's dive into the deep together. Welcome back to the show. You probably noticed I've got a whole new intro happening right now. Now, I started this podcast two years ago, actually a little bit over two years ago, and it's grown leaps and bounds, and it's absolutely just taking off. So many people sharing it and subscribing and leaving reviews and everything else, and it just makes my heart so full. It's cool to see an idea take off and it's cool to see so many people get around it and so many people getting so much value. So I appreciate you for listening and I appreciate you for sharing. It means a lot to me. Now, internally in my business right now, we're redoing a lot of things and we're just working out how we can best serve our listeners, our subscribers, our clients, our friends, our family, our community and everybody else and um, sort of reworking a lot of internal things which are really excited and I'm going to do an actual podcast episode around just that because I know there's so many so many creative entrepreneurs out there that would love to know the insides of how our business works and I guess decision making and how I work with a team and all those little things that kind of make I guess business and life really interesting and fun and for me It really is like I love being an entrepreneur and I love doing all this stuff and every day is exciting. We're always doing completely different things. Now, today on the podcast, I've got a really special episode for you. I actually got interviewed by the Creative Myth podcast. So the Creative Myth is a newer podcast. It's really cool. It's around the creative myth of, you know, you need to be born with talent or creativity and um, sort of busting that myth and showing that anyone and everything is possible to create amazing stuff if you've got some dedication and relentlessness and work ethic and and all that good stuff. So this episode we have Siana and Ben and they interview me around how I got started, creativity, education and schooling and the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. So there's tons of good stuff, a few stories that you probably never heard before and maybe a few familiar stories as well. But um, please head over to their podcast and subscribe to their channel. I don't think you'll be disappointed and they are really fun. Uh, It's really conversational and they drop some really good questions as well. So I know you're going to get a lot from this episode. Now, I think that's pretty much it. There's no more updates. I just want to say a big thank you for listening, subscribing and leaving reviews. Like I honestly really appreciate it. I read every single review and it makes my heart full. And I really hope you love today's episode. Today on The Creative Myth, we are chuffed to be chatting with the multifaceted, nigh-unstoppable force that goes by the name of Jai Long. Jai is a multi-award winning wedding photographer based in Melbourne, and when he's not photographing a love story, he's working on his vegan fashion label No Skin, or curating the largest online photography workshop in the world, The Wedding Photography Summit, or riding the crypto wave, or flipping houses, or reading one of 50 books a year. Jai is not your average creative, he breathes new life into everything he does. but. Enough introductions, let's hear from the man himself. 
Okay, so welcome to the Creative Myth Jai. It's thrilling to have you, to say the least. You are fascinating, inspirational, creative, who is full of stories and insights. As a photographer, your work is both polished and full of free expression. And as a teacher, you're intuitively clear about the hustle and our way out of it. Um, you've also partnered with your friends to create a vegan fashion label no skin there is so much to explore here with you but before we start we both want to start so badly <laughs> before we start for the uninitiated people who haven't had the pleasure of seeing your work could you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah of course thank you for having me on the show so my name is Jai I'm uh, Melbourne based I am a wedding photographer full-time wedding photographer I'm also a full-time business coach, uh, predominantly for wedding photographers and photographers. I've been doing that since 2015 and I have a fashion label. So that's called no, no skin. I've got a podcast. It's called make your break. Uh, I've got a de- uh, property development company, um, where like I buy properties and, and I'm, I'm building houses and doing things like that. Um, what else do I do? I do a lot of, a lot of things. And I think what I bring to the world is, uh, I was never formally trained. I didn't really go to school. And so for me, like business is something that I've like failed hard in and I've succeeded so many times and I've built seven figure businesses and six figure businesses and I've been bankrupt and I've been everywhere in between. So for me, like everything is like leading from the heart and teaching from what I actually do, not just teaching from the books. Mm. Um, and I think that's what makes me stand out and what makes me like really love what I do every single day because it's me in there with everybody else, you know, on this crazy adventure that we call business or we call life or we call art or whatever we we find ourselves doing. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. That's a great answer. Okay, I have... I have a question um, and I've been wanting to know this since I have seen your work is how did the camera and you start your journey together? Because I have my story. I want to know your story. Like how of, out of all the creative things, camera. Actually, actually before that, like, like let's just go right back. Ah, you took it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, okay. Like, let's start with like, what, what was it like growing up for, for young Jai? Did you come from what you would think of as like a creative household? Kind of, I want to get an idea of like where you sprang from. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up, um, my earliest years is I was actually homeless with my family. And we used to go in and out of, um, there was a lot of domestic violence and stuff. So I used to go in and out of charities and women's refuges and things like that. So between that, living in tents, living in cars, living in a bus, traveling the East Coast is kind of like where I started, I guess. And my dad, he used to play a lot of music and his friends play a lot of music. So Mm. um, he was the type of guy that would probably just smoke weed every single day, play some music. And I was always mesmerized by like how he could create something from nothing and how he could captivate a room with with music. And for me, I think that was the start of creativity. And I also realized because I never got told no, um, I didn't have to go to school, put up my hands. I didn't have to wear a uniform. I didn't have to uh, listen to other people's rules, which means I had, I guess, a creative freedom, mm. which meant I think different and I approach things differently. And so for me, things that make sense to, to my mind, like logically or, or creati- creatively, mm. might not make sense to other people or we think a lot different. But I notice that a lot of people get stuck because they get told no all the time mm. or they shouldn't or they should calm down or they shouldn't do that or instead of them trying, you know, to do it themselves. 
So that was my early years. And as I grew up, uh, we moved into um, a teepee for a little bit. My sister was actually born in a teepee. And then I finally went to school and then um, we, fought, we were on a waiting list for a, for a government house for seven years. And that's why we were homeless and stuff. And we finally got moved into that. So the first time I lived in a proper house was when I was 11 years old and um, moved into that. And I, there, there was a lot of domestic violence and stuff happening. Like we lived on a very dangerous street. So I ended up moving out of home when I was about 16, 17. No, 16, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Got myself um, a job, moved out of home. And uh, I've been sort of pursuing my own life since then sort of thing, you know, trying to change my life and, and um, make something of myself. So I've been on a very purpose-driven journey since mm. since as as far back as I can remember. That's amazing, Jai. There's definitely a point of difference between yourself and many others. When you were saying the whole, like, um, you know, you weren't told no and you didn't have to conform to that sort of stuff and things. Myself, I have ADHD and my childhood was almost entirely that, right? Sit down, sit on your hands. Totally. What are you doing? Like, why? You, yeah. So for yeah, me, it's been I get that. an adulthood of like trying to shed that. Unlearning. Yeah, unlearning. And yeah, so having somebody to follow mm. like yourself is, is, is a very interesting. Um, Beautiful journey yeah, to, on, to yeah. be on because you see somebody else leading that path and you think this is possible. I can dream this way. So that is. That's, that's just an incredible story. Yes. <laughs> do write that book ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of just the, 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 the starting of it all, I guess. But um, I, I do understand what you're saying with ADHD or ADD and mm. stuff because like when I was growing up, people would always say that about me. It's like the problem child, like mm. you can't concentrate and you can't do this, especially when I first finally got into school. But um, for me and my parents, I was like, there's nothing wrong with me, man. I just got energy. I just, I've got purpose. I've mm. got drive. Like I want to do things, you know, I don't want to sit in the classroom. And so I've been like that forever. So, like, I believe, you know, there ain't nothing wrong with me. Yeah. You know, or there's nothing wrong with you. There's, you know, and I think um, if society doesn't accept you because everyone's trying to downplay themselves or their energy or their focus or whatever it is, like, I don't think it reflects on us as having the problem. I think maybe the problem is out in in the world and why why isn't everyone acting like kids? Like, mm. why isn't everybody out there with that much energy and enthusiasm about life? Like. I think there's a problem there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching yeah. a TED talk about uh, ADHD and um, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that in the, the hunter-gatherer times, you know, they were the ones who would be the best hunters. They were the ones who were most astute and most aware of everything going on around them. Mm. And it's just the fact that the world has changed, that society has mm. swiveled with that. But up until very recently, ADHD is with a, you know, <laughs> the heavy hitters. So it's... um Conformity yeah. of any sort doesn't lead to anything good. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's fair. Regardless of which side the conformity is on, it's mm. just, it's not good. And and about the school, um, my struggle was that uh, the, the school primes you in a place where the challenges are unreal. You know, they are not like the challenges are in the real world. So you're cocooned in a space where things are certain way and suddenly when you are face to face with the world it, it's like the world is slapping you every day it's like <laughs> you don't get this <laughs> and you like you don't understand life suddenly you go from being a topper being uh, being able to win awards doing everything and suddenly you're like what i am nothing i am nobody i can't do anything you feel paralyzed by that your exposure into this huge world. And for me, that's what I experienced when I came to New Zealand. When I was in India, the school I was in, 
everything was just I feel now looking back felt like everything was just working for me um and I could find myself through those challenges very easily and it was such a huge challenge figuring out a new culture new environment um and then reckoning with yourself because who you were was completely skewed by this um yeah. made up environment which was cool mm. um i do i do agree with that and i think um for me it was the opposite though so mm. i like i knew life and i felt like i was important and i was special and stuff and then i went to school and they tried to take that out of me mm. so when i left school i was like back into my element yeah. like i was back in the world and so i was like because i think for me like i wasn't like i went to a rough school like a really rough school mm. and i think um for me to get to school my parents didn't want me to go to school so i had to like walk up to the office i remember i was like i think 15 years old and mm. I, and i had to actually um go in there and i and i booked myself in as if i was my parents to like have an interview to get into this school wow. and i had to lie to them to get into the school so i had to hustle my way into this into this rough school right um but that was me like taking control of my life because mm. i was like i, w- I want to change my life but when i got in there and i and i did get my certificate it was um then I wanted to get back out to back to the real world. So I think for me, like I was never sheltered by school. School was something that did hold me back a little bit. Um, mm. Wasn't for me at all. Like it, it showed <laughs> me that I w- didn't have a, a high IQ. I didn't have a, like a big ex- um, attention span and, um, and all that kind of stuff. But mm. but at the, at the same time, I had so many other skills. You yeah. know, I, I could go through life, and I think that's probably a better skill to have oh yes (laughs) so so one of the things i liked about high school was that it gave me the opportunity like there was a ton of stuff like like keep me away from maths and biology you know it was just like oh but there was other things like uh, outdoor pursuits art photography graphics metalwork that sort of stuff which i got to try did any of that sort of foster anything in you like for moving forwards yeah, totally. I was actually, I loved my woodwork class and yes. I was always the best top of the class for all my art art classes Yeah, because art was the only one where my teacher would say, Jaya, you got complete control and creative expression. Yes. And I would go out there and I would create something and I would bring it back and I got rewarded for it. And I was like, I can't believe this. Where everyone else told me I was wrong, they always said, no matter what I created, it was right. And so I loved uh, I loved art. Like ever since I was a kid, I, I just, I thrived in it. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. so That's amazing. Exactly well, my see, story in that respect. Yeah. I come from an Indian school system where everything was rote learned. Also art. So when we had to do art, we were given very clear instructions on the color of the sky and how the mountains need like, to look like and how the birds numbers? need. It was like <laughs> that. And so my teachers, um, were very unhappy with my artistic expression for the longest time. So my name is Sirjanite, means creative creation in Punjabi. And so I always thought of myself as a creative person just because, you know, I would explain my name to people all the time. They didn't know what was Sirjanite and be like, oh, it means creation. And so I dabbled in a lot of creative things. But in school, I was completely shunned by people who were teaching, was there to teach me creative arts. It was like uh, my dance teacher called my parents and said, oh, she will not follow the tune. She can never dance. <laughs> same thing happened with art. Same she, thing happened with music. She's an incredible dancer, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was so hard. Um, and then you had to learn all of that. Mm. become an ac- academic student come out of the country and realize i remember my first class in the university and uh the professor told us so we're going to 
read this whole thing and come back in 15 minutes and came back in 15 minutes and he said what was wrong in it and i could not wrap my head around it that how could he ask a question which said what was wrong in a book because <laughs> my entire life was about book is right you cannot have individual thought mm. <laughs> so but anyways i have questions we have gone somewhere else i want to now know how did the camera and you start your journey together yeah okay so um when i was younger i like i played a lot of music and i used to do gigs and things like that and one of my friends had a camera and he used to love it and every time he take a photo i would always look at the photo and i critique it and tell him how he could have taken it better and uh years went on with me doing that just not being the nicest person i guess <laughs> and um one day he was like why don't you take the camera and i was like okay i will um but at this stage i was working as an electrician and i was working in um i was working in a community in western australia so it was a mining town but i was working on a hospital mm. in a mining town and um after work everyone would go to the pub everyone would drink everyone would take drugs and stuff and mm. i wasn't really into that lifestyle at all so i was like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to get this camera and i'm going to go take photos of the beach so every afternoon after work i'd go down to the beach i'd just take photos of anything rocks shells you know people walking past it didn't matter yeah and um I started falling in love with it. I was like I felt like I was good at it. Mm. Uh from from the start and in a sense of like the photos were terrible but like I was good at it because I was like passionate about it. Mm. And I knew composition, like I had a good eye for something and even though I didn't know how to use my camera I could I could make something that I wanted. Mm. And yeah, from there like I that was like in my early 20s and then after a while I started getting more serious about it and I got serious about like changing my life like photography for me was never about photography or taking photos it was about getting into um into new groups of people new circles making new friends mm-hmm. new connections yeah and i was like imagine if i was a wedding photographer and i charged a lot of money i'd probably make some friends that like make a lot of money and and uh, like i would be surrounded by people that i want to be and so like it really was that for me and yeah. so um photography was just my way in to start a conversation talk to people and be in a new room because that's what i wanted i wanted to i wanted to be see what was possible in this world and i knew i was only limited by my own surroundings so yeah i loved it that's awesome <laughs> so so what was that first wedding like for you oh, oh man i've got a really funny story about the first wedding i ever shot yeah. um so my wife came with me and to help me out and i was like i just booked this wedding this is going to be awesome Um they paid me $500 and I was just like mind blown that yep. they even paid me. And two things, like I didn't really have any money, so I had the worst lenses. Um I had a fisheye lens 15mm and then I had a 70 to 200 like yep. telescopic lens. Yeah. Um so really hard to shoot a wedding on. <laughs> Second thing is I never been to a wedding except my parents wedding in our lounge room. So I never been to a wedding before. Didn't well, know what they do. Like I had no idea, right? So when you talk about fake it till you make it, like I was walking around going What happens next? So Dark and guest. And so they had the ceremony and I was like what happens next and and they're like oh so they're going to have a ceremony they'll kiss and I'm like cool. So I was just shooting it. I was pretending I was confident, you know. Well, I was confident. I was just pretending I knew what I was doing. Hmm. And then um and then after a while I um got to I took all these photos and I felt like I did a great job. And then the next thing was we're going to the reception. And then when I got to the reception, I looked around, I noticed everyone was sitting down, they were getting a meal. And so I was like, "Oh, it's the wedding's over. Like it's dinner time." Okay, so I went up to the couple and I was like, "Thanks for having me today. Like it was awesome. Like I'm going to get out of here." And I remember them saying like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "I'm going home." Like, you know. 
whatever. And anyway, so we left. And it wasn't until like a year later, because that wedding actually got featured in a lot of places. A year later, I remember looking back through it and I was like, why did I leave halfway through the day? <laughs> I was like, oh, because I didn't know there was a reception. Like I had no idea. Wow. And no one ever said anything. So, um, yeah, that was my first wedding. And it, I was surprised I never said anything, you know. Has entrepreneurship changed your creative mind? Um, no, not at all. Mm. Like, I think entrepreneurship is creativity. Mm. Like, uh, the whole definition of like an entrepreneur is like risking something that others wouldn't, you know, thinking differently, solving more problems that other people wouldn't, doing things that other people wouldn't do and uh, extending yourself like that. And so for entrepreneurship for me is creativity. And so it's the reason why I started my first business when I was 20 years old, because I was flexing my creativity, seeing like, how could I create something for myself and mm. for the people around me? How could I help people? How could I serve people? Mm. Um, so it definitely hasn't changed anything. I run my business the same as I take a photo. Like everything flows together. There is no difference between anything. Yeah. I hear that so much that creativity is being sucked out of me because I have to earn money or creativity is I can't express myself because everybody has to do the same thing on social media. And it has always confused me because if we keep doing every what everybody is doing, how do we stand out? But again, I think that's the unlearning thing that people have to do, um, that you just do it intuitively, that Mm. the whole idea about entrepreneurial life is to do things creatively. Well, I think there's a difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur because a business owner repeats a proven structure time and time again to get profit, Mm. right? But an entrepreneur is willing to risk more, lose more, do more, regardless of the outcome. Mm. And so when you think about that, that's art. Like Mm. you're willing to go out there, create something, um, something that you love, Mm. something that like makes, that moves you. Um, and you do that regardless of the outcome because it might be something terrible. Who knows, right? So when I think about that, like there's a big, huge, wide gap between a business owner, which most people are, and yeah. then they'll consider themselves entrepreneurs, mm. but they won't risk anything, right? Yeah. But so they're a business owner or an entrepreneur, completely different. Yeah. That's a very well, that's, cool way to put it. Yeah, that's yeah. really well put, Jai. Because it's definitely, I mean, there are moments when we like think of ourselves as entrepreneurs, but in that respect, I think we're playing it safe quite a lot lately. Yeah. I mean, there's COVID, there's there's our new little son come along and there's certain things where you think this is just business, this part of it, and we'll do this other thing. I think we don't think that. We use that as an excuse. That's fair. Because it's safe. Yeah. You know, at that point, safety, sadness, all these negative things in life are more comforting than actually taking risks and chasing your own happiness. So mm. I think that at that time, we're just fooling ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You talk about how um, you're testing new ideas and you're testing new things and trying to see how things work and don't work. And at the same time, you are doing things that bring you joy. Am I correct? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So is there any time that you, moving from theory to practice, ever road test any of your ideas? Or do you straight go and do it to the world? Um, Do I road test anything or do I just do things? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely just do things, yeah. They're, like the testing is doing. So, um, and to, like because people will tell you something. Like for instance, like I want to write a book, right? So I'm going to do that next year. Yeah. And so when I tell someone that, they'll tell me that it's hard to write a book and people don't read books anymore and it's hard to get published and it's hard to sell them in bookstores and it's hard for this. But they've never written a book, right? So yeah. mm. too often it's like, well, until I write a book, I don't actually know what it's like. 
And so mm. we can read all the books in the world, we can listen to all the podcasts, but until you actually do something, you don't have your own data. And I think that's the most yeah. important thing is like create a baseline. So whenever I'm teaching something, it's because, hey, man, I, I've tried this. Or someone will tell me, it's like, oh, you know, a price guide works better than a PDF or a web page or something. And I'm like, are you actually going off data? Because I can tell you right now, we've tested thousands and I can tell you exactly mm. what works. Because mm. that's, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like we do this and then the business owner will adapt that. Um, entrepreneurs are always in front of the trends because they're mm. innovating something. They're, they're the ones that will try a reel. They're the ones that will try something different. And then once everyone sees that it's proven and it works, then we adapt it ourselves. Does that make sense? As a business owner. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so how do you know like an idea is worth following? Like yeah, you don't. For- you, you never know. Mm. It, it's, no, um, but within yourself, how do you, if, if you when an if idea? If you get excited... If you uh-huh. get excited and you're super excited about something, then it's worth pursuing. And if you tell someone and they get excited, then it's definitely worth it. And if it's worth your time and you're willing to do it for free, then it's definitely worth it. So, for instance, like working for free is one of the best things, right? So, when I first started wedding photography, I shot like the first year I shot so many free weddings. I still shoot weddings for free. Like I would do it mm-hmm. for free. Um when I started my, you know, my mentoring and, and workshops in 2015, like my first workshop cost me, I think, $5,000 to put on, you know, because we didn't mm. sell enough tickets. It, it was out of hand. I didn't have that money and it was costly. And then when I started doing one-on-one coaching, I spent last year all year coaching people for free because I was like, if I would do it for free, then I think it's a good idea, you know, because yeah. mm. if it's without the reward, then it's definitely worth it. When I started No Skin, what am I doing? I'm sending out garments for free to people so they can wear my stuff. If I'm willing to do it for free and take a loss, then it's no longer driven by the money. It's driven mm. by the results. It's driven by the impact or by the creativity or what you can create in the world. And I think that unleashes a lot of things. So many people get stuck on something monetary. It's like, oh, how much money am I going to get paid? Am I going to get paid what I'm worth? Someone's taking advantage and stuff. It's the mm. wrong metric, I think. Yeah. That's cool. And I mean, people feel that from you as well. It's a, it's a feeling you, you yes. get, you know, yeah. like, um, that it's, it's unquantifiable in a way. But that's a very great advice because I suffer from this immensely. Personally, we were, when we travel from one airport to the other, I have 30 things I want to do. And I'm mm. constantly bugging Ben. Oh my gosh, we should do this. This is what we should start doing now. I really want to do it. By the time I've landed to, in the other country, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted because I want. I have yeah, dreamt too, too much and had done nothing. Um, but this is such a great advice to, you know, narrow down all these ideas and then see what will I be willing to do for free, and then go from there. Because I always feel as a creative, my number one pet peeve is the sheer burden of ideas and the lack of time to do them. Oh, it's the same as me. It's, it's like, um, well, just right now, like I'm on a podcast, right? I started my podcast two and a half years ago and I don't uh-huh. have sponsors on there. I like, I do it for free. Like yeah. a lot of people, they will charge themselves to do these things, but it's like, then they're not showing up as their true authentic self as well. They're showing up for a paycheck. Where like, mm. I think about, I'm working towards my potential. Like, man, my potential is I could sit here for free, but maybe I'll make one more connection, impact one more person, have one more idea, you know, one more mm. new conversation. And maybe mm. I'll reach one more person that needs it at the perfect time. And so when I think like that with all my businesses, then it's like, oh, I'm making an impact. I'm not working to the paycheck. Paycheck kills Absolutely. you, kills creativity. Love that. But, but working to your potential, man. I, I want to put that in the poster right now because we are, 
that yeah. that thing paycheck kills creativity mm. that has to be that's i that's going right into our just tattoo, <laughs> gallery it, wall. tattoo it on my forehead so wrap things back around like a business owner will always tell you not to discount and not to shoot for free and not to do something for free and make sure you charge what you're worth business owner will right but an entrepreneur will say like hey what have you got to gain out of that what what could happen out of opening that door like you know so they always think different they never talk like there's not one entrepreneur that i know that's a seven figure entrepreneur ever talks about the money and that blows my mind and when i talk to someone that's like making five figures six figures they're always hung up on the money don't do it for free don't discount don't do this don't undercharge don't undervalue and i'm like man it's the reason why you don't have any money right yeah. it's because you're living in scarcity this is so true when we um were having we were at that stage of our business when we were having regularly panic attacks um crying fests i don't know like this really bad place when people used to ask us what goals do you have for your business Ben and I could only think in terms of money, right? We'd be like, "This much money in this year." That's all we could give answers. The people for. who are asking are expecting that answer too, though. Too, you know? yes. That's, that's a societal and thing. And then mm. we met um, one of our favorite photographers, Pablo Lagia, and he was photographing our elopement. And in between, he asked, "How do you want your business to make you? How do you want Tinted to make you happy?" And we just stopped <laughs> for a second. We're like. Okay. <laughs> he said that in his broken Spanish. I don't know if he exactly meant those words, but it just made us stop and think, what are we doing here? We started as creatives. We started as this passionate artist who wanted to create something that made us happy, and we've turned into this neurotic, <clears throat> anxiety-ridden, panic attack having fights. Yeah. All the time. Where is money? Can't spend one dollar. Hungry. Like we were constantly hungry. <laughs> that's that's how much we wanted to save money. I remember there were times we we lived on one slice of pizza mm. for a day and for days at the end like that because we were like we'll make this pizza long <laughs> if we have one <laughs> it, slice it's every so day. crazy isn't it and so like i have yeah. a course called the six figure business map right yeah. and so yes people all want money but then what i teach them yeah. like i i sell them what they want but i teach them what they need and like yeah. so it's all about like mindset and it's all about like um abundance and, and unlocking things and, and yep. i just did a um I just did a post inside the Business Map Facebook group. I'd love to read it out to you if you want. Yeah, um, absolutely. Go for it. So everyone in there, this is, I didn't make this up, but everyone in there calls themselves sailors because I had this ship analogy and everyone, everyone's a sailor, right? So everyone that's in my community. And now, so I, I wrote something saying like, what does sailor mean to you? So to change yourself, you need to associate your actions with your core values and who you are as a person. So for example, if I asked you, one of the sailors, um, can you do bare minimum? Would you do it? Or would you not be the person that does the bare minimum of anything, right? If I ask you, are you going to give up? Or are you not the type of person that does give up? Are you going to fail? Or are you not the type of person that will let anything stop you? So being a sailor makes mm. you different from everyone else. And here's a few examples that I gave. You are the type of person that pays for coaching programs to find your next level self. You are the type of person that, who is obsessed over learning. You're the type of person that gives more than you receive, always. You're the type of person that will write 600 words for your blog post because you know the bare minimum is 300 words and sailors will never go for minimum or average. You're the type of person that will get uncomfortable and create videos for your website and connect with you and serve your clients better. You're the type of person that will add value to your fellow community and lift people up when they need it. 
You are the type of person that will recharge people. You are the type of person that will set unrealistic goals and take unrealistic actions to make them work. You are the type of person that will ask for help regardless of how hard it is to ask for help. You are the type of person that is constantly improving all aspects of life. You are the type of person that won't show shy away from a challenge. In fact, you are welcoming the challenges. You're the type of person that will track your money and time. As you know, you can't grow or optimize anything that you don't track. You are the type of person that won't accept no. You are the type of person that makes things happen regardless of outside influences. You are the type of person that takes full responsibility of your actions and for your own success. Now, the reason why I write this, right, like literally none of it has anything to do with money. So we join this thing. We think, oh, it's all going to be to do with money. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, wait a second. He's challenging me of like, what type of person am I? Now, with that association, if you said that, like, for instance, like if you if you wanted to like lose weight or something and then you walk Mm -hmm. into a store and then you're going to buy a chocolate bar, then you can ask yourself if you change the association, like, am I the type of person that eats Mm -hmm. chocolate after work? Like, actually, I'm not. I'm not that type of person, right? And so then you can change the way that you show up in the world by realizing mm-hmm. like what actually are your core values? Are you the type of person that will go after a business venture just because it makes money or because it brings value to people, because it brings some sort of happiness? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I wanted to share that because that makes it's- perfect um, sense. We, um, I mean, it's hitting home a little bit because yeah. we, we have definitely done some fluctuating between entrepreneurs and business owners. The reason that we took off doing what we do was because we flew to the South Island on our own dime and Sergina spent nights, um, like many nights, planning a, a proposal with a really lovely guy in Singapore who wanted to propose to his, his um, girlfriend And that all started because Pablo asked that, that question yeah. and we were like, what do we actually want to do? When we picked totally. up the camera for the first time, yeah. for Ben and I both, it was about connecting with people. I never had friends growing up that I could just, you know, rely on like as my group of friends. And I, I'm crazy. I'm what, what, crazy is not even enough word, but <laughs> I'm just Pargle. like, Pargle is how they say it in <laughs> yeah, India. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about having people close to me and uh, having a close knit group of friends. So for me, picking up the camera was that doing something and bringing people together and learning how do people come together in the first place? Mm. Um, and when we made that as our goal uh, and understood what our values were and how they aligned with our art, things completely changed for us. In fact, to the point that two years into doing that, we were not even sure how much money we were making. We had no idea. We had no idea. We were still living like we were living before, but not worried about it because we were enjoying our art so much to the point that our accountant sent us an email saying, Congratulations, guys. Things are going really well. <laughs> and we looked back at our account and we're like, we earned what? <laughs> just what happened here? Yeah. Um, and then it just changed for us. The, mm. the switch flicked. But mm. my God, the first five years of our business, it was a business. Mm. And we had to prove to everyone that we would be earning money. There was so that, much yeah, pressure. Why, yeah, there was that whole, why are you spending your nights doing this? Like, mm. what is it worth to you? Are you even making minimum wage? You know, all yeah. these questions that come your How way. How much uh, per hour are you? getting have you calculated that all of that to all those out there who are getting that it wears you down if you let it Mm -hmm. well here's another thing too like for all those that are that are listening like when i first started in 2013 i shot for free and i got haters and then i tell people my education to work for free i get haters all the time i get people that challenge me everything now Mm -hmm. i want to say one thing it's like the people that hated me in 2013 they're no longer in business and i'm a seven-figure business owner so i'm the one that works for free discounts works 
from like what makes me happy from the, you know, from my heart. And I'm the mm. one that gets rewarded the most where other people, mm. when they're running from scarcity and worrying about what other people are doing, instead of worrying about their own business, man, they're going to go out mm. of business. And I've seen it over yeah. and over and over. So if you do want permission, and I know people even on this podcast are going to challenge me on this because it's what we do. It's like, yeah, it works for you, Jar, but it doesn't work for me, right? Um, but I, I want to just show you the proof of like, hey, man, I grew up with nothing and yeah. I am a seven-figure, multi-seven-figure business owner and I've done it all basically on my own and I've done it by doing what I love, you know, mm. and, I, and I think and always putting other people first. I think it's just such a different way of thinking about business. Yeah. It's, it's so important, that last thing you just said. Yes. Um, that that staying humble is super important. And and totally. that frame of mind really changes everything. I know when I was having panic attacks and anxiety about finances, one of the tools that I used was I made up this string of words and um, and they were gibberish. <laughs> but I was telling that if I, if I would just meditate with those words and sit in peace and just repeat them, that I'm opening my heart to the universe and opening up to abundance. And that was something that I did for myself. It calmed me down. And I don't know, in a very weird way, it just opened this floodgate of inquiries. I don't know if those happened mm. because um, I started showcasing or like showing or emanating this um the feeling of abundance within me and yeah, you know didn't look absolutely. desperate i mean you said this to me before it's like what like why have you come to me to talk to me have like why are you excited to have me on the podcast right mm. now it's mm. not really because i've done all these things or because i've won the awards or because i've made some money like it's not is it no. but but maybe it's my energy Maybe it's like, yep. oh, my God, I want to talk to this guy. Like, he's attracting me like a magnet it right now. It is totally that. Yeah, and so what am I doing? I'm not looking around at my neighbours. I'm not looking around and see what other people are doing. Like, I'm staying in my lane. I'm, I'm, I'm like, competing myself with myself, comparing with myself, you know, with yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like, I'm so passionate about what I do and, and I bring that into everything I do. And as a result, of course, everything opens up. Doors open up for me everywhere. I have too many opportunities mm. on the table at any given time. It's the thing that gives me anxiety because I'm like, man, I could be doing so many podcast episodes right now. I could be doing so many things right now. There's so many opportunities everywhere, right? Yeah. But of course, like you said, like you opened yourself up and then of course your clients were attracted to you because you will no longer push marketing and pushing things mm. on the people and seem, seeming desperate or anything. You attracted mm. people into your universe. Yeah. And you're right about uh, now that we're speaking with you and um, hearing your ideas about, you know, that you don't really road test them. You just do things. And this is the way of the entrepreneurial life. The way we started our business from become being wedding photographers to adventure photographers was just that. Mm-hmm. A couple came to us and they said, we are coming here for our honeymoon. And on the call, both Ben and I looked at each other and we said, we'll plan your honeymoon for you. They're like, you'll what? <laughs> like, we'll do everything. We'll plan the honeymoon. You don't have to do anything. Just land in New Zealand. And we did the whole thing from from all different vendors to accommodation to people who are going to pick them from the airport. It was a huge learning curve. It's awesome. We also still have networks that we created during that first thing. You know, the, the same makeup artists and, uh, yeah. you know, florists, all that sort of, of stuff that we found then, uh, we still use today. And, yeah. the, you know, we great people. And it was such a massive learning curve. But what it did was it fulfilled what we set out to do in the first place. We made friends mm. around the world because mm. we were not just photographers. We were not doing this for a paycheck. Um, but talking to you, 
and hearing your very well put words is joining dots for us. Oh, yeah, you can see where we stepped in the right direction and, and where, where we, we didn't. Yeah, where, where we stepped in some quicksand. <laughs> yeah. So, and we so all do. You put, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I already know your answer to this, but I want to hear your wise words on it. Nevertheless. Okay. And then after after this question, you have to ask me a question that you don't know the answer to. Okay. To really cool. spice it up. That's, all right. <laughs> okay. So I want to know what are your thoughts? Oh, how do you handle failure? Failure? Yeah. Not the big, you lost money, <laughs> just the day-to-day things that you knew you could do better, but you were not well, able he, to. Here's, here's a difference. Um, a business owner thinks something's going to go wrong but an entrepreneur expects it to go wrong. So if something doesn't go wrong today, man, what's going on? I'm not pushing hard enough. My goals are not big enough. I'm not impacting enough people. You know, if I don't have one hater today, I didn't say the right things. I didn't get through to someone, you know? So when we say failure, like if, if I um, reached out to five magazines to get featured and all five of them said, yes, I didn't reach out to enough people, you know, Mm. because I need at least 10 no's, you know, so to know that I actually pushed. And so I think too many people are trying to play in these guidelines of like, Failure. Failure, it doesn't actually exist because tomorrow you wake up, it's a whole new day. Think about this, right? If I was seven years old and I was learning how to uh, ride a bike, if I fell off on Friday and I grazed my knee, chances are I'd be back on that bike on Saturday. And if I fell off again and broke my arm, chances are as soon as that cast comes off, I'll be back on my bike and I'll do it again and do Mm. it again. And I don't see it as a failure. I see it as I stacked Mm. my bike, but I'm still willing to learn the bike, right? So for some reason, something's changed in us and we think like, oh my God, like I'm failing because I stacked my bike and I never want to ride again or I never want to walk again. I never mm. want to do business again. But in reality, it's like, man, you didn't do something enough if you didn't even put yourself in the realm of getting uncomfortable. Yeah. If you were sitting on your couch all day and you didn't move, you've failed by default and it's so much worse than if you actually got off the couch and went and did something, something big, something mm-hmm. drastic, something that makes you so uncomfortable. So I don't believe in failure because failure is like, it means you've given up or you've stopped and life is a continuum. So how could I fail if today I lost everything, but I've still got energy and tomorrow when I wake up, new energy, new ideas, new creativity, like new network, new conversation, there's a new course, there's a new YouTube video I can watch, there's a new something, new opportunity, which means did I really fail? So when I went bankrupt, like, would you look at me right now and say like, Jai, you're a failure? And for some reason, like I believe you probably wouldn't think that about me, hmm. but for some reason we think that about ourselves. We're like, well, if I went yeah. bankrupt, then I would be a failure. But to who? You only failed if you gave up. Like it, it continues, you know, in a couple mm. of years time, you won't even remember that time you fell off your, your bike and grazed your knee because you're already well on your way doing something else. Maybe you're going on to a marathon or something, you know? Yeah. That's really beautiful. We were actually talking about something similar today. Um, we're, walk. <laughs> we're taking our little guy Mahi for a walk. And it was really what really neat watching him try and try and try again to like grab a hold of his toy that's hanging in front of him. And there's this like this this doggedness there, right? Yeah. And just I, didn't give we up. came to the conclusion that as you get older, it's ego. Mm. It's just like it's how you feel. It is. Judged, you right? don't want to fall over in front of someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you do something big, like for instance, like I, I love doing, I love failing in front of people. So if I do something big, I'm like, I want to hold the biggest workshop in the world. I want 10,000 people to be here. Mm. Why do I say that? It's because I'm like, now I can fail and I'm going to fall over in front of people if I don't hit that. And I'm like, that's exciting. Because if you let go of your ego 
then you can do anything.、Mm. There's nothing that's going to ever stop you because、yeah. you'll just get back up again. You do it again. Get back up again. Hey, if I don't get if I don't get ten thousand people this time, it's going to drive me even harder to get ten thousand people in my next workshop.、Mm. If I don't do it then, it's going to drive me even harder. I'm going to find a new coach. I'm going to find a new conversation. I'm going to、mm. find a new network, new people. I'm going to find a new opportunity. I'm going to make it happen. And so, with that in mind, because I never gave up,、mm. I believe I'm going to hit my goal one day. Mm. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. How did you make the decision to bring on other people into your company? What was that process like? Because for us, I know that we've dabbled with it a few times,、mm-hmm. yeah. and it's always been like, "God, how do you let go of this?" You yeah,、know? hard to let go. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting one, but like the first thing is you got to admit to yourself that you're not the best at everything. And so many、mm. of us, we think we are. Like, oh, no one can edit photos like me. No one could like go to a venue and and introduce my business like I can. No one can write my emails like I do.、Mm-hmm. No one can talk on my podcast like I do. Yeah, and it's just like a limiting belief, thinking we're the best in the world,、uh, and no one can do anything. But when you let go of that, you realize that like, hey man, maybe the best thing in the world that you have, the skill that you have, is you can actually see the potential in other people. And、mm-hmm. then you could give other people those roles and empower them to like make something even better than you could ever imagine. Because chances are you're holding yourself back. You're holding back your business、mm. by not expanding. That's the first reason. Second reason is I believe it's selfish to start a business and not give back in some way.、Mm. That's so、fair. why start a business and not give an opportunity to someone? Like not pay some people? Like not support a community? Like what?、Mm. Uh, like I can I can hire creatives right now. I've got seven people sitting in the other room, and they're like art directors, like a videographer. A Photographer, like a copywriter, like they make up their own roles. I don't even know what they do, but then they come in there and they do it, and I empower them to do their thing. Then I'm like, holy shit! I didn't even know I needed whatever you're making, but like I'm glad that you're here because I didn't have the capacity to even think about the ideas that you're thinking about.、Mm. And now that we have a room of nine or seven minds or eight minds, it means that I become a superpower because I can leverage of everyone else.、Mm. Now that's the first thing. The second thing is, I didn't go to university. I didn't go to school. But someone once told me that, like, if I wanted to be, I could be a lawyer and I could be a doctor, and、mm. it's really easy because all I have to do is I have to start a law firm and hire lawyers, and then they make all the money, but I make all the money because <laughs> as I'm charging them out per hour, yeah. Yeah. there's no reason why I can't be at the top of the tower, right? It's the same as being a doctor. It's like I could I could open up a practice if I wanted to. There's nothing stopping me. It's a free world. It's it's、uh, a free economy.、Mm-hmm. I can start one. I can hire. A doctor, a licensed doctor, and that means I can leverage off them. I didn't have to go to uni,、mm. and I can still make more money than they do.、Mm. Does that make sense? So for me, I think about this. I'm like, I didn't go to university to learn videography, so and I don't want to,、mm. and I don't want to go to learn Google Ads or to learn copywriting or anything else. But I can leverage someone else's time. There's four years of going there, their expertise,、mm. um, their mastery, their creativity, their ideas, and and use it in my business. It's amazing how、uh, our limiting beliefs, although maybe common, come from very different sources. Because I've been, as you were saying, the answer. I was thinking about where did my limiting belief came from, and then also thinking how that's so different. Even though Ben and I share that limiting belief, his comes from a very different source. So I guess,、um, how much do you agree with the statement that as an entrepreneur or as a creative? The work on yourself and knowing oneself is like the most important task that you do. Yeah, it's everything. 
Like without that, like for instance, like we are the same, right? Or if like if someone's listening right now, like, oh, Jai's a seven-figure entrepreneur. What makes Jai different? He's not more educated. He doesn't have more friends. He's not more well-connected. He's not more talented. He's not better looking. He's not better dressed. He's not, he hasn't got a better car. So with that in mind, it's like, well, what is the difference? Well, maybe it's Jai reads a book every four days. Maybe he gets into a new conversation. Maybe he's on a podcast and he gets to learn from people. He gets to talk alongside other people. Maybe I need to do those things. And so as you're working on yourself, your own mental blocks, you've got to have the humility to understand like maybe your way is not the right way. Maybe there is a better way and be open to those discussions. Mm. Listen to people because when you listen to people, things open up and then all of a sudden you can be challenged on your beliefs and then you can adapt new beliefs on those challenges. But you just need to be in the right room listening to the right people that are bringing and challenging you on those beliefs. That's I have so many things to say after this and so many, <laughs> I just don't want to know which which side do I want to go first. Ooh. Um, okay, what about this? Again, I'm going to start with this one. I really want to okay, know this. Okay, you got me. Okay. What happens <laughs> when you disappoint yourself? Is there any time that you disappoint yourself? Every day. There's not, there's not a day... That doesn't go past that I didn't disappoint myself or I have imposter syndrome or I have anxiety because I'm... How do you move on? Well, that doesn't stop me because if you have a bigger purpose, yeah. then it's like, is this small thing in my way or is the big unrealistic goal more important? Is it making the impact more important? Is hiring people more important? Is teaching someone to make money, is that more important? Like there's so many things there. So it's like, can I put my own limiting beliefs, my own self-doubt to the side for a bigger cause? And I question myself all the time, like, should I? I, I don't believe I'm making the right moves all the time. Mm. Um, I disappoint myself all the time. I didn't jump on this opportunity. Um, I didn't learn something. I, I didn't go for a walk today or I, I didn't, you know, eat correctly. You know, like there's always something to, uh, like I could have pushed harder. I could have risked more. Why didn't I? That's usually the biggest one because mm. if – if I did something and I didn't go 100% in, I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm like, you know, if you went 100% in, you probably would have succeeded in that. Because m- most people don't know this, but I'd say out of out of every one fa- uh, success, like a big win that I have, I have nine failures mm. like every time. And mm. so my life consists of failing all the time, mm. always, every day. Something doesn't work. Things just didn't work out. I lost a lot of money. I lose money all the time, you know, and like I'm comfortable with it because I am I know if I didn't, I get home and I was like, what was I doing today? Mm. Like I wasn't living. I'm not trying to save money. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make money. Yeah. Like I'm trying to to like see what I'm capable of. Yeah. I, I guess I wanted to understand if you f- thought there was any difference between um, dealing with failure and dealing with disappointing your own self. Like, I think that for you, because you already see failure as a positive thing, as something to That's look forward to, game, right? then yeah. would disappointments be different? Um, but no, I guess you, the answer is no. to looking, um, to, <laughs> to look at the bigger picture and then seeing and understanding mm. and remembering what the, what the main goal is, um, that totally makes sense because and, I, and to all the listeners out there, like it, you, we've got to come to the um, realization that it's it it is normal. I hate saying the word normal, but it is normal. And we think we're on a ship by ourselves out in the ocean. No one's done it before, and mm. no one feels like we do. And no one has imposter syndrome, and no one has ADHD, and no one has ADD, and no one 
you know, yeah. we we think we are special, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, we all feel like this. It's not the thing in front of us. It's not the problem in front of us. It's how we react to it. Mm. It's how we handle it. And so, like, for instance, like COVID happened, right? It's like, it's not the event, but it's the people that kept showing up afterwards yeah. that realized that it was something there and they pivoted and they changed and they adapted and they best served their clients. Like, they're always going to go further ahead than someone that complains about the problem mm. in front of them. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of COVID, like, like how did that affect you? Oh, I know the answer. Uh, I became a millionaire. I've been following you way too long to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I became a millionaire. That's yeah. what happened. There was a few different reasons. In 2019, um, I pivoted my business into online education and for one big reason. I felt like the wedding photography industry was in a huge bubble. Mm-hmm. And I, I love business and I know business and I could, I could see this, right? And I did this post and I screenshot it and, and I sent it out to my friends. But 2019, I, I wrote out a post to all my friends and I said, something big's going to happen in 2020. It has to because we're in a bubble right now. And I think a few things. I think the economy's going to change. I think we're going to go through a different cycle. We're going to have a challenge ahead. And I also think things are going to change. Like I think crypto is going to be a big thing to put money in. Mm. And so I put all my money into crypto <laughs> in 2019. Yeah. Um, I changed and pivoted my business. It cost me so much money. People didn't want online courses in 2019, I tell you. Um, so I was going against everything and I was like, I know something's going to happen. I know it. I know it. And I didn't know COVID was going to happen, but I knew something because that's how market cycles work. Mm. Business is predictable. It's always the same. There's always a cycle. It goes up and goes down. You can sort of always see when something balloons and there's a bubble and it's it's so predictable that it's <laughs> it's just the same cycle for the last couple hundred years, right? Mm. Mm. And so... When it happened, I was like, oh, here it is, not surprised. And so I moved everything around real quick to adapt. Um, and the reason why I wanted to teach business is because I knew people were going to need help. You know, I didn't know what the event was, but I knew that people were going to need a lot of help in the next year because you can see when a bubble comes because people just make money for if they just have Instagram followers. Like if mm. they just bought a camera, they were making money. Mm. Now, to me, it's like telling me if they've got no skills and they've got no business knowledge and if they've got no uh, real-world knowledge and they're still making money, that's that means it's bubble territory. And I was like, so once we get out of this, all these people are going to need to learn business. They have to go back, backwards, you know, because the people that learn business are going to be able to sustain it and realize that there's a challenge ahead of us, but we can adapt and move and pivot mm. and do whatever we need to do to survive. Um, and so that's why like my business became super successful is because I set it up six months before the big event, not knowing what it was, obviously. Mm. Um, but I was exactly positioned to go like, and here we are, this is exactly what we need to be doing and we need to help as many people as we can. And so that's why I spent a year mentoring people for free. I helped so many people out. We started a wedding photography summit and I paid all the speakers and we charged only $7, you know, for tickets. Mm. Like we did so many things for the community. We showed up for them when they needed it most. And then they showed up for me because that's how business works. It's just the way he puts it. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's so clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, boom, yeah. here it is. Mm. <laughs> um, is uh, Talking about the Like bu- I said before, you got to expect, expect a problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so talking about the wedding photography bubble, where do you see wedding photography going in the future? Are there any obvious trends that you have been seeing? I think things um, are going for a big transition right now and I think it's going to shake out a lot of weak hands that um, that are not like serious and I think people are getting more educated now. Like I think people are starting to sort of get more serious about stuff. Like before it was sort of like, oh, I've got Instagram followers and I'm all good. But I think like now that the leads are just stopped, um, people are starting to 
become very educated and become very smart. And so, um, I think things are changing for the better. And I think wedding photographers are actually insanely resilient. They're insanely talented. Mm. They wear all the hats. So, they've learned so many things. They just don't know the – they need a bit of finessing basically um, because they've got everything there. And, like, I think a lot of wedding photographers are going to continue on wedding photography, but they also could become entrepreneurs and do amazing things because, because like yourself, like, you know, you started a podcast and do things like that, but not many people do that kind of stuff uh, in other industries. So, yeah, I'm actually really excited. Like, I think um, I get excited with change. Like, I love change. And when people tell me, like, oh, I can't wait for things to go back to normal, I'm like, this is new normal. You're going to die, your business will die if you think things go back to normal, right? Because that's the old way of thinking. Yeah. And so, like, if you haven't adapted and realized that, like, hey, this is normal, today is normal. Like, if you're not doing business today, mm. your business is dying. You can't wait for something because you're going to get out-innovated. It's like someone else is going to take your market share. Someone else is marketing right now. Someone else is expanding while you're contracting. you got to understand that, right? Yeah. So one of the reasons why my business – did really well last year is because every workshop stopped, every conference stopped. I don't know why. Like every all the awards stopped. Like ev- all education for photographers stopped in their tracks and I couldn't believe it. I was like, why are they doing that? And so what did I do? I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing when I had no money because I was like, I need to take market share. While everyone contracts, you need to expand. Because right now, while everyone's contracting, they missed the point of like, this is when everyone needs help. And while you guys all didn't help mm. – the person that was there that helps throughout that time is always going to be on top. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, we were trying to do something similar yeah. with a yeah. collaboration in Canada with and, uh, Conference and Chill. Yeah, and it was fantastic yeah. connecting with so many people. And you came for one of the Conference and Chill. I did, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where I first time heard you actually talking and, you know, it was like, oh. this is fantastic. Um, so, no, absolutely so correct. And so you bringing back uh, the idea that creativity is the art of seeing and then solving problems, being able to notice that there is an issue cropping up, um, having the foresight for that, um, and then being able to solve it in a, in a very mm-hmm. novel way. The more that you brainstorm, the more that you use your creativity, like creativity is like a muscle and people mm. don't realize that. Mm. And so like I, I flex it every single day. I make sure I'm working it out. You know, like I, li- I listen to a book for like an hour and a half a day. I go for a walk. I brainstorm my journal. Mm. Um, I'm always learning something new. I'm listening to my coach. I'm signing up to a course. I'm doing something because I know that creativity doesn't just come because after a while, once you start brainstorming and stuff, mm-hmm. you start seeing new solutions. Mm. And then after a while, after years, it becomes second nature and you see a solution to every problem that's in front of you. Yep. But it's not always like that, especially when you're first starting out and you maybe you haven't like practiced enough. Mm. Um, but I think like after a while, yeah, like you, you will get so strong with your creativity that people will be like, I don't even know where he gets ideas from or her. How does she get those ideas? How is she, how is she even creating this? How is this happening? Yeah. Right? Because that person is is like flexing that creative muscle. Yeah. And for me, it's always I I cannot accept that when people say there's no solution to this. I just cannot accept that. It just becomes like a oh, whole totally. this challenge game in my head. Like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. You said the wrong thing, my friend. I'm not going to be able to sleep right now till I find the answer to this. So 
talking about you journaling and doing so many things to keep your mind active and taking care of yourself so that creativity flows through you how do you perceive time um t- time's real interesting i see time as energy mm-hmm. And so my time is based on energy. So it's it's no longer like based on what time of day it is or how much time I've got up for a podcast episode. Like for instance, um, a lot of people will say like, oh, podcast episode, I don't have enough time. But what I say is like mm-hmm. podcast episode, do I have enough energy? Mm. And if I do, then I should schedule that in. Yep. If I don't, then I probably shouldn't. And so I protect my energy and that correlates to the time that I have. So I think a lot of people, um, they believe they have no time like people all the time, they say they've got no time. Uh, but if I challenge them and say, like, what are you doing next? What's in the next five minutes for you? What impact are you making? Like, what have you scheduled? What have you scheduled for Thursday? Mm. And if they don't know, then I know they're out of control. It's just like having a bank account and not knowing how much is in it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, like, a lot of people, um, they're willing to throw up their hands and say, hey, I've got no time. Mm. Where someone else could be a prime minister, maybe she's a mum, full-time mum and yep. full-time running the country and doing all everything else. So it's like, how's that person got time? Yes. Or like maybe maybe someone like Elon Musk or something with like two of the biggest companies in the world with like, I don't know, what he's got five kids or something. Mm. And, you know, there's so many things going on. It's like, he's got time. Oh, you find excuses as answers when you want to. Like, oh, he has such and such a help and stuff. Um, but we're not willing to look. Everyone gives it to me. Yeah. You're not willing to look inside and... Um, really figure out what is stopping you um, and what is keeping you stuck at a, uh, at a certain place. We were still living in in the beach house when I saw you speaking at Clubhouse and you were walking, I think you were walking your dog and it was really early in the morning yeah. in Melbourne and you were answering these questions on Clubhouse. And I remember going up to Ben and saying, we're starting to go, we are, we are going on walks. We're not even helping anyone, but we are going on walks because we were in that state of like, oh, don't have time. Mm. And I remember um, hearing you and going, we, we need to go for walks, man. Yeah. Why are we saying we don't have time? We have time. We're sitting here just sulking. We need to go. And so <laughs> you don't know, but I didn't even hear what you were saying. But at that point, just the idea of you walking and helping people that early in the morning, I think it was six in the morning in Melbourne, um, really pushed us to start this health regime that we have started now. And suddenly even being new parents and running businesses and podcasts and YouTube and all of that, found ourselves having a lot of time. So thank you for that, Jay. Yeah, you can find so much time. The funny thing is when someone tells me they've got no time, they're usually telling me on like on my Facebook page or something or my Instagram page and they're commenting. And like my initial reaction is always like, well, if you've got time to write this comment on someone else's page, like you're probably scrolling on Instagram. How'd you even get here? Yeah. Like you've got time. You've just wasted it. Yeah. You know, like we spend right now, um, there was a new survey that came out like a few years ago, the average American spent seven hours on watching TV. But today they spend seven, uh, four hours watching TV, but four hours mindlessly scrolling social media. Mm. So that's eight hours a day, mm. right? And then like how much sleep is there and how much commuting is there? Like there's so much. So of course we're under the illusion that we don't have time, but really like if we, if we protect, if time is really worth more than money, like a lot of people say, mm. then, and if, then we need to really protect it. Don't we? we need to think about like what, if you don't have that much time and you never get it back, like what are you actually doing with it? Are you making an impact? Are you doing something worthwhile mm. with that time? It's one thing hearing what you're saying and understanding and feeling that, yes, what whatever you're saying is correct. But I think it's more important, whoever is listening, to know that 
if you are going to listen to Jai saying what he's saying or hear us saying what we say about creativity and time, um, you have to understand that it becomes difficult to practice it when you're part of the system. If you don't change radically, nothing changes. And seeking one piece of advice doesn't change everything in your life. It is a bottoms-up approach. Um, with you, the way you've lived your life, all your life, you've ta- taken decisions, um, risks, uh, how you embrace failure. It all informs how you think about time. Um, so I think mm. it's really important, and I'm feeling I'm feeling it's even more important after talking to you. Um, to 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 give ourselves a break and not try to conform to what society wants of us or what people wants of us and find our own tune and rhythm because once we figure that out we'll be able to break that system and see oh my gosh i do not need to be this mindless drone of the system there are options for me there are other avenues that can be explored i feel like this is really important to say right now because a lot of people will feel very energized listening to you uh will feel like oh my god they can conquer the world uh but within two or three hours might start feeling that energy diminish or feel like oh this was not for me maybe jai can do it not me but i think it's possible for everyone but it it requires a radical transformation and that comes from understanding where you are at right now what blocks you have and speaking with somebody else like you you can't solve all your problems yourself like jay said he has seven minds sitting in the other room uh and with his eighth mind there they're creating magic in this world um and having jay as a coach or somebody else that you look up to and working through your roadblocks and things that have been stopping you and pulling you back is so important and then suddenly you'll see that everything else that he's saying will become a regular practice rather than this one thing that is energizing you for 5 minutes and then psh, takes away your energy <laughs> am i um, do you agree with that absolutely agree and like one thing that you said is like it's it's also for some of us but like it's all, it's for all of us it, like once we make the decision if you if you want to be successful the reason why you're not right now is because you haven't decided that you want to be mm-hmm. like you haven't actually said it's not a must yet it's like oh maybe i want to be but like once you make it your duty like it's your must mm. and you change your mindset around that and then you'll start journaling you'll start waking up early you'll go for walks you'll find mm. what you need to find mm. um you know, like so many people, like, you know, I pay for a business coach and sometimes I pay upwards of $20,000 to mm. talk to someone for like, you know, a few hours, right? And not once do I say like, oh, like it's too expensive or something. I say like, I'll find the money. Don't worry about that because I'm obsessed with getting to the next level mm. where someone is going to hold themselves back. Like, oh, you know, 3000 for a course. No way, man. Too expensive. Not for me. Course is not for you. Like, And if that's not for you, you also can't expect to be booking work that's at that range as well because – Man, it's not for you, yeah. you know. If it's if that's too expensive for you, that's that's the scarcity that you live in. So mm. you have to make the decision of like you want it. Yeah. Mm. And and I it's really important to know that we are not entitled to success or happiness or other things. We have to work for them. And every single day yeah. and every minute actually, we are making decisions. Um the decision, the day of decision is not gonna come in future or tomorrow. It's right now. As you're listening to this podcast, um, as you go about your day doing things, um, you're making tiny, tiny decisions that are going to impact your life in a huge way. Oh my gosh. This is I love the way how you can take an a complex nebulous idea and so succinctly put it, Jay. 
really well done. <laughs> what is you, you? You were talking about um, reading books. What, what is one book that you're reading these days? Um, man, I, I read so many books. It's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> but um, so it's really hard to it's really hard to remember yeah. any of them. Yeah. And like I always say the same books over and over. But I, I like read self development books. Right now I'm, I'm reading books on like um, public speaking because uh-huh. I do a lot of that. Uh, I haven't found any good ones yet, but I listen to everything because I know there's something in there for me. Yeah. And so, like, I don't see any, you know, reading a book is not ever a waste of time. Like, mm-hmm. I actually think it's gold. I can't believe people wouldn't do it, but people don't do it. And so then they won't get the success others will get. They get out innovated, mm-hmm. right? So there's actually a study shown that, like, people that make over six figures in the US or have a title of, like, CEO or they're a high executive or something, on average, read about 52 books a year, mm-hmm. you know? So these are high income earners. Low income earners on average read one book a year. Now there's a there's a 52 to 1 disadvantage for them because they're not even willing to show up and like do something like that that's that probably only cost you $15 or $10 a book per week. So because they got no time, but mm. the executive has more time and they donate more time to charities and they donate more money and they help more people and they have a better work life balance and everything. Um they read more And so when you look at that, it's like maybe we're just not prioritizing our own success, you know. Is there then one myth about creativity that you are dying to bust? Um, I, I guess like one myth is when people say, um, I'm not creative. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I always think that's pretty funny when someone says, oh, I'm not creative like you, Jai. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like as if we were all born uh, without creativity and then we have to learn it. But I think you start unlearning creativity because if you said a statement like that, then you've made it your own truth. Yes. And even though, yeah, you are creative, even just saying that statement was creative, there's a creative way of putting it, mm. um, you can't identify it and so you've given yourself this truth and you've you've created a limiting belief. Yeah. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe not as creative as other people. And that means you won't go after it. You won't uh, practice or, or try something new because you've given yourself some limitations. So I think that's like probably one of the biggest things around creativity. Also, like the other one is... um. I think people don't think business is creative mm. or like pricing is creative. Their books are creative. Man, like if I went to an accountant, I want to find the most creative accountant yeah. out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to find someone that's like, oh, Joe, we could do this and we could do that. Yes. And I, I could change the numbers here and we could buy this and we could do that. And you could save on tax. You know, I want to find someone that's creative in all aspects. Mm. And so if you are the type of person that's like, oh, man, uh, like business is business. Mm. I wouldn't do business with friends. I wouldn't do business um, that, that I love or, or like, you know, people say all these limited yeah, belief yeah, things. Yeah. Like I would never – Never do business with someone that you like or something or with a family member. I'm like, man, I'll do business with anyone, you know, like especially friends. You know, I like I love my friends. I love my family. Of course I want to help them in some way. Yeah. And so I think um, – I just think – I think business – and the reason why I keep sort of really pushing this point home is because it is creative. It's insanely creative. And there's actually no part of it that I'm not creative with. Mm. Everything can be innovated. Everything can be changed. Everything can be done better for everyone. Yeah. It, it, it's 
You're so correct. When you said that we first part, when you said that we all are creative, I want to, again, bring this one home for anyone who's thinking, oh man, you just say that it's hocus pocus words. Um, it isn't. I mean, now the studies have shown that when you're exercising, if you say to yourself that this exercise is actually helping me lose weight, I'm going to um, be fit or whatever your goal is, if you actually repeat that and if you tell yourself that, you do get maximum benefit from the said exercise instead if you were just going oh, i don't know if it's going to do anything i'm just going to run but i don't know if it's going to do anything mm. it's not going to bring the same effect that it was going to bring it will bring some effect because of course mechanics that's a, that's a great analogy great and like just a, just a play home on that analogy it's like if you went for a run and said i'm going to get a six pack from this run then the whole time that you're running, you're thinking about your stomach and you're activating yes. those core muscles. And guess what happens? You probably get a six pack. And it's the same business. Yep. If you're thinking, you're going out there, you're like, I'm going to make some money. Mm-hmm. I've got some goals, unrealistic goals. And you journal them every day. So you're looking at them mm. every day, not just like at, at New Year's, like I'm talking goals down mm-hmm. every day. After a while, man, you're concentrating on those things. Guess what happens? It grows. Yeah. And it, it, the mind body connection is so important. I remember as a child in this painting um, homework that I had, and as I was just about done and the black paint smeared all over it and my I was crying and my mom came and she I don't know, she was constantly wiping my tears and saying nothing has gone wrong. Why are you already believing something has gone wrong just because the paint has dropped on it? And she would keep wiping my tears and keep working magic with her fingers. She was not even using brush and out came this painting with the black smeared on it. I don't know how she made this, but the mountains were black and the sky had, she peeled some color back. You could see some clouds in the background. It was so stunning. And now whenever I'm doing some art project for someone, I'm constantly repeating that in my head. This is going to be so amazing i'm going to love this oh my god this is gonna go turn out so amazing um rather than tell myself i don't know how this is gonna turn out and not only do i have an amazing experience actually creating it because i'm having fun thinking and being positive it actually does turn out i always um surprise myself um on the flip side of that too i find a really great creative tool is when you have those mistakes, they generally turn into something yes. that you completely didn't think was going to you know, yeah. be a thing. You know, oh, I, of course. I mean, I was trained as a graphic designer and like all the time you'd do something and before you could control Z it, you look at it again, you're like, wait a minute, that's really <laughs> cool. You know, how did I do that? And it completely informs everything moving forward. Yeah. And, and the fact, the second point that you made that business, running a business is actually a very creative activity. Mm. And in fact, whatever you do in life, um, you are being creative and you have the potential to be creative at it, but you are being creative at it by finding solutions in your own novel way. And whatever you're doing that, in whichever capacity you're doing that, keep doing it because like Jai said, creativity is a muscle and you need to practice it every day to make it big, bulky and like pretty shiny. <laughs> I don't know what other muscles, adjectives are. <laughs> um, okay, so we've reached, Ben, do you have... More questions. Well, You're just I like think, well, writing great. so much. <laughs> Jai actually answered a ton of what I had written down without having to prompt it. So yeah, thanks, man. Ben has been on the other side um, just well, scribbling my, away. <laughs> my computer's just run out of battery too. So, so I'm sure whoever is, li- if you're listening to this and you were not scribbling all this amazing wisdom that was coming out of Jai, hear this again and take a paper and pen and make some notes. I'm mm. going to go inside and create a poster which says creative 
pay- paycheck kills creativity. That yeah. is that is happening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we've come to that part of the podcast where we do quick questions quick with question. you. <laughs> so ready, Jack? Yeah. Quick answers. <laughs> yep. All right. What has been one game changing advice you've got? Um, listen to those that have done what you want in your life. And you don't really need to listen to those that haven't done something that you want in your life. So just be wary of uh, who you actually take advice from and if it's for your best interest. That's fantastic. I I needed to hear that. So thank you. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning person for sure. Okay. And what talent do you wish you had that you don't have? Oh, geez. Like every talent, I guess. Like (laughs) (laughs) um, what talent do I wish – Oh, I, I wish I was uh, much better at public speaking. That's why I'm reading those books right now. Right. Um, I wish I could really like move people with my messaging like a lot more. I wish I could connect deeper. I wish I could. I mean, well, I'm saying wish, but I hate the word wish because I'm going to make it happen. I'm saying wish, but really it's just on my to-do list. <laughs> I, I think, Jay, um, what is happening with the seven people out in the other room and you is that you need to put some mirrors in the office because I think you've done that. It's already done. It's tick. You, I'm sure you, <laughs> you move people. You always disappoint yourself, though, you know, so you can you do moved better. Us. You can do better. You have moved us, and you're an incredible public speaker, and you've moved us. We are already, we came into this room, like we said before we started recording, that we were in this really feeling like energy has been sapped out of us. Um, we, were feeling, we were not in a good place before we started recording this podcast, and both Ben and I are just, like, so energized. So awesome. I am selfishly wanting to end the podcast so I can give my husband a hug right there because you've definitely energized us. Um, So I think you've ticked that one. You need to think of another answer, which we will ask you the next time you have, we have you on this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> so what are you going to do right after this interview? I've been suffering from really bad hay fever today, so I didn't really get to sleep much last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually got another podcast coming up in a little bit, and then I'm quickly going to go and uh, watch s- some of a course. Like I'm I'm running my own Facebook ads right now, and, and we're doing for, – for like the Wedding Photography Summit that's coming up um, – we got so much going on. It's crazy. So I'm the one doing like the all the ads and stuff. And I, and I don't know ads. Like I didn't learn this stuff. So, um, you know, I'm putting through like $100,000 on these ads and I've got to make sure that they work. And mm. yeah, I'm literally going to sit there and nut it out, see what, what I have to do to make them work. And I know there's a solution in my problem. Um, mm. I just don't know how to get there yet. So I'm excited for the challenge. Fantastic. And finally, the three qualities that got you where you are today. Uh, persistence, like, mm. uh, yeah, p- persistence, stamina, mm. and empathy. Cool answer. Um, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on this podcast, Jay, and saying yes to us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fantastic. So You've energized us, and um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And we can't wait for people to comment and tell us how much this has changed them. Thanks to all the listeners as well for taking an hour and 20 minutes of your day to, to listen to us talk about creativity. Yep. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. <laughs> <laughs>